So the issue here, at least in this conversation of Abraham and God, is one of inheritance. And the question comes up, why did Abraham not think about his brother Nahor or his nephew um, Lot? Um, so he has two direct blood relatives. So why, why is he thinking my servant Eliezer is going to inherit from me? Okay, so um, I'm going to do sort of a rabbinic thing. I'm going to make a commentary on a commentary. Ready? So I'll start with the first commentary. The first commentary that I will now comment on is from um, a contemporary um, scholar, Jewish scholar, who um, teaches at the University of California, San Diego, Richard Elliott Friedman. And his comment here is, um, why not, why is Abraham not going to, um, now I'm saying it backwards, why does Nahor, his brother, or Lot, his um, nephew, inherit from him? And Richard Elliott Friedman, contemporary commentary says, quote, because they were not there. And what he means by this is a very plain sense of the word. Um, the brother Nahor still lives back in Ur of the Chaldees and lives back where the, they worship idols. Remember the story I told you before? His brother still lives like way over there, which is somewhere east of the land of Israel now. I don't even know where. And the Lot, do you remember the story about Lot? And um, Yeah, right, so I don't even have to tell you the story about Lot, who um, chose to live in uh, the city of Sodom. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? So there's Lot. He's not going to inherit because they were not there. That's why they weren't living with Abraham. Now I'm going to make a commentary on the commentary. But before I do that, I want to say a little bit more about Abraham. So Abraham, as I um, told you in the story, had a unique uh, relationship with God. The Western tradition says he was the first monotheist. And that is, in Western tradition is not just Judaism, but Christianity and Islam. All look to Abraham as their uh, founding ancestor. And God has made a great promise to Abraham. So the story I told you, which is a story, it's not in the scripture, fills in the gap between when we learn who Abraham is and his relatives and these words that God says to him, which are in the Torah, in the book of Genesis, God says to Abraham, lech lecha, which is Hebrew for you, go. It's beautiful, like doesn't that sound nice? Lech lecha. And it, Get out of here. You go. Go to a land that I will show you. And, um, and after God says that, God gives Abraham a blessing. It's the first words that God speaks to Abraham after you go to a land that I will show you. God says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. It's nice, huh? I mean, that's the char God says to Abraham, you will be a blessing. Uh, the reading that we have for today shows the closeness that develops between Abraham and God. 
And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. That is, you can see that, that there is already a relationship between the two of them. I'm speaking of God in anthropomorphic terms because that's how we talk. You understand, I hope, that I don't think that God is an idol, <laughs> that you say he to, but we're just, <laughs> right. But just for the purpose of this conversation. Um, and so third, so first God says, I'll make you a blessing, and then the two of them seem to be in a relationship. And then later, God says to Abraham, and this is in chapter 17, walk before me. It's kind of interesting. Not walk with me, but walk before me. And this is explained, at least in one source, as meaning that God, that a person's whole awareness, whole experience of life is based on an awareness of God's presence. That that's the interpretation of, walk, of God saying to Abraham, walk before me. That is, that Abraham's life was imbued with a sense of God's presence. Okay, so I have now introduced you to Abraham. Okay, so now I want to talk about because they were not there. Why did Abraham not consider as his inheritors his brother Nahor or his nephew Lot? Because they were not there. The plain sense meaning they live somewhere else. But now I'm going to take it to a different place, and I hope you will go there with me. And I'm going to do it by um, quoting something else in Torah. Centuries later, maybe centuries later, Moses, who has led the Israelites out of Egypt, um, is prepared to encounter God to bring the law down from Sinai, story that probably most of you have heard at some point or other. And God says to Moses, come up on the mountain and be there. Come up on the mountain and be there. Genesis, the book of Genesis and most of uh, Exodus doesn't waste a single word. It's like poetry. There's no extraneous word. Wouldn't it not have been enough to say, come up on the mountain? Come on up. Come up on the mountain and be there. And so my question, because I do like to get a little interactive, my question for you is, what do you think, what would that mean to you if someone said, come up Come to me and be there. I'm so, so I, I can hear everyone. Yeah. Be here now. Be here now. Okay, good. What else? Be available to me. Be available to me. Be fully engaged. Be open to a possibility. Right, we're all saying the same thing in different words, and I love it, because all of them are true. We like to be open, to be engaged, to be there fully, right? Come up on the mountain and be there. How else are you going to be um, with God? Whatever you think of God is, how else are you going to be there except fully, rather than thinking about what's for dinner? You know? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sir. You know? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So being there, right, so I'm taking what Richard Elliott Friedman said, which is, well, the brother and the nephew weren't there, 
let's take it someplace else, because they were not there, because they were not there, just as Moses was there on the mountain, they were not there fully engaged, fully present, fully open. In other words, they weren't spiritually there. That's how I choose to read this. They were not spiritually where Abraham was. And that, in fact, is why um, Ishmael, who uh, eventually is born to Abraham, does not inherit the blessing. His line goes off in a different direction. He doesn't inherit the covenant between um, the Jewish people and God. And Isaac, who is Abraham's son and the direct inheritor, who does eventually get born, Isaac is, does inherit and what does he inherit? It's not about physical, um, material wealth. It's spiritual, not wealth. I don't want to say wealth because that sounds like money. But it's the spiritual inheritance of the covenant. And how do we know this? One way we know this is that we're told, and this again is from the Torah, from um, the book of Exodus, that um, Abraham dug wells you know, to get water. And... Isaac, years later, uncovered the wells that Abraham had dug that had been covered up by some of the people living in the neighborhood, just as an act of you know, hostility. They had plugged up the wells. And Isaac uncovered Abraham's wells, his father's wells. And that's taken by our tradition to mean I, that he uncovered the depths of Abraham's spiritual uh, contribution to the world. Do you see that? I mean, wells are clearly symbolic of the depths um, in a positive sense in this case because they have life-giving water. Abraham is concerned about his spiritual legacy, not his material legacy. And the question for us then that we take away from this teaching is what is our spiritual legacy? In the plain sense, Abraham wanted a son. But in a deeper spiritual sense, Abraham wanted to pass on his wisdom, his relationship with God, his values. That's really what he wanted. Who is going to be my heir that I can pass on this relationship? And so we ask ourselves, how can we be like Abraham? Remember that God said, your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. Count them if you can. And you know, all of us are, in a sense, Abraham's inheritors, right? I mean, if we think we're the Jewish people, we're, so, we're like 2% of this population in this country. I mean, we're, it would be foolish of us to say, oh, yeah, we're like the stars in the sky. But in fact, it's, it's all of the Western tradition inherits from Abraham, all of us. And we are like as, as numerous, did I say that right? As numberless as the stars in the sky. It's a nice way of thinking about it. You know, Abraham couldn't have imagined not just the Jewish people, but all of those who consider him their spiritual heir. So this is my um, question for you all is how to think, think for a moment, and I'll be quiet so you'll have a chance to do this. Think for a moment of the people whose lives you touch. Um, 
your family, this community, uh, where you work and where you play, the organizations you belong to, how do you share your spiritual wisdom? Not that you, now I'm not talking about proselytizing, you know, like, oh, come to Desert Sky Unitarian Universalist Church. I don't mean that. But how do you personify the very wisdom that Abraham was able somehow to intuitively see and pass down through all of these millennia? So the question is, what is your spiritual legacy? Just take a moment to let you, you know, think about that. So in the Jewish tradition, um, when someone dies, we, when we speak about someone who has died, you know, in English we say, may he rest in peace, or there are some expressions like that. In our tradition, we say, zichrono livracha, may his, or zichrona, may his or her memory be a blessing. That's what we say. May his memory be a blessing. And that ultimately, I think, is what we want for all of us, that our memory is a blessing, that we have passed on our, our wisdom, our, um, our spirituality in whatever sense that is, that we too, like Abraham, we can say, and he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. May each of us live in such a way that people will say, now there was a righteous person. Amen. <laughs>